bone and sickle. Bleeding saints and forest witches, the past unburied, the books unsealed, the old celebration returning. Hello, and welcome to my study. Please come in and have a seat. All the books surrounding you are those used as sources for our show. We will be sharing with you tonight some interesting selections from one of these volumes. Assisted, as always, by the housekeeper of this estate and co-host of this show, Mrs. Carswell. Hello. So, by some miracle, we're actually here to record after nearly losing a house in a fire last week. It was just a tray of cookies. Uh, A kitchen fire? Not the entire house. Not the entire kitchen either. Just a tray of cookies. I don't think even all the cookies were on fire, actually. Anyway, I told you I was sorry. I was just trying to do you a favor baking cookies. And I was just trying to do you a favor, thinking you wanted to try out your new owl cookie cutter. I did. And I told you I was sorry. Uh, I did tell you I heard the timer, Dean. I know. I was just... I I don't know. I've not been myself this week. Well, yeah, and the way you've been letting your packages pile up on the porch, honestly, I've been a little worried about you. You know... I had that phone call, and I've been so angry at Mother, honestly. I guess it's distracting me. And you should just return all that stuff if you don't want it. Don't just leave it on the porch. I didn't want to admit it to her, but I know she's right. I need to just... Stop buying owl stuff and face the actual owl? Or give myself a deadline at least. Not at night, but at least I could go out there during the day when she's sleeping. That would be great. Uh, Were were you watching a makeup tutorial the other day? A makeup tutorial? Were you listening at my door? No, I I was looking for my slide scanner in the hall closet. I didn't have it on that loud. uh, Owl makeup? Not for glamour. I just thought it might make me more relatable. If I go out and see Strix, I might look friendlier to her. This isn't right. You can't be walking around in owl makeup. You should be glad I'm actually considering how to do this. Everyone wants me to just face my fears, and I'm trying my best to make a plan. If you don't want me to, I'll just give up on it all. No, 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 that's great. I just don't know that it should require owl makeup. What you need to do is set a date for yourself. (sighs) I know, I know. Well... Maybe Sunday. Okay, then. That's great. Third Sunday. In August. Why? I don't know. The second Sunday. Fine. If that's what you want. Can you get the packages off the porch? Oh, I think one of those is my makeup. Fine. I I don't care. You just need to do this. I'll do it. We've recorded you agreeing to second Sunday in August, and it's going out to all the listeners as witnesses. I need to get it over with. I know. That's great. It really is. The... The uh, makeup, it's its not body paint, is no. it? I'm... No, no. Uh, 
for the face. Around the eyes, mainly. Okay, well, well, good. Um, whatever you need. I'm just glad we have a light at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, let's just get going on the show. This is episode 115, A Viking Funeral. I am your host, Al Reidenauer, and this show, Bone and Sickle, examines the intertwining of horror and folklore in a historical context. I started the show as a way to further explore this area of intersection after writing my book, The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas, and am currently working on a uh, related volume. And uh, once that work is complete, at some point in the fall, we will be returning to our old format, by the way. Bone and Sickle only exists thanks to the generosity of our Patreon donors. Um, since this will be a shorter episode, I'll just uh, run through the rewards quickly at the top of our show. A uh, monthly pledge of $2 provides immediate access to the hundreds of posts on our blog. This uh, week, for instance, we learned about the belief among the Romani of Serbia in uh, vampire melons, among other things. $4 or more monthly brings you not one, but two short extra episodes. Uh, other rewards include downloads of the show soundscapes heard under the narration, the show scripts, my Krampus book, various t-shirt and mug options, and unique and hand-packed mystery kits. Pledges start at $1 a month and can be canceled at any time. Our story tonight is from a 10th century account written by an Arab traveler and diplomat, Ahmad ibn Fadlan, who was visiting what would be modern Ukraine. Germanic tribes who lived there and originated mostly in Sweden during the early 9th century traveled south down toward the Dnieper River into that region where they were known as Varangians, or just called the Rus, which is what our narrator calls them. There are a few elements from this narrative, including some actual dialogue that made their way into the film The Northman in a funeral scene, uh, not surprisingly, as this is one of the best sources on that topic, and the characters in that point in the film are supposed to be in this same location. There was also a 1999 film, a same-name adaptation of Michael Crichton's novel called Eaters of the Dead, which incorporated this episode, along with uh, bits from Beowulf. Actually, it starred uh, Antonio Banderas as Ahmad Ibn Fadlan, which even in 1999 didn't ensure the film's success. The production was notorious for being a box office disaster. I don't necessarily believe in trigger warnings, but perhaps I should note that the Vikings in this account behave quite barbarically, uh, treating women and animals in a brutal way. At the very least, it's probably not something to share with youngsters. Also, because the story is rather grim, we won't be concluding with a Carswell's Corner. We'll just let the horribleness of it all sink in instead. So, without further ado, the words of Ahmad Ibn Fadlan. I heard that at the deaths of their young personages, they did many things of which the least was cremation and I was interested to learn more. At last, I was told of the death of one of their outstanding men. 
they placed him in a grave and put a roof over it for ten days while they cut and sewed garments for him. If the deceased is a poor man, they make a little boat which they lay him in and burn. But if he is rich, they burn him in this fashion. They leave him for the first ten days in a grave. His possessions they divide into three parts. One part for his daughters and wives, another for garments to clothe the corpse, another part covers the cost of the intoxicating drink which they consume in the course of ten days, uniting sexually with women and playing musical instruments. Meanwhile, the slave girl who gives herself to be burned with him in these ten days drinks and indulges in pleasure. She decks her head and her person with all sorts of ornaments and fine dress, and so arrayed, gives herself to the men. When the man of whom I have spoken died, his girl slaves were asked, Who among you will die with him? And one answered, I. She was then put in the care of two young women who watched over her and accompanied her everywhere to the point that they occasionally washed her feet with their own hands. Garments were being made for the deceased and all else was being ready of which he had need. Meanwhile, the slave drinks every day and sings, giving herself over to pleasure. When the day arrived on which the man was to be cremated and the girl with him, I went to the river on which was his ship. I saw that they had drawn the ship unto the shore and that they had erected four posts of birch wood and other wood, and that around the ship was made a structure like a great ship's tent out of wood. Then they pulled the ship up until it was on this wooden construction. Then they began to come and go and to speak words which I did not understand while the man was still in his grave and had not yet been brought out. The tenth day, having drawn the ship up unto the river, they guarded it. In the middle of the ship they prepared a dome or pavilion of wood and covered this with various sorts of fabrics. Then they brought a couch and put it on the ship and covered it with a mattress of Greek brocade. Then came an old woman whom they called the Angel of Death, and she spread upon the couch the furnishings mentioned. It is she who has charge of the clothes making and arranging all things, and it is she who kills the girl slave. I saw that she was a strapping old woman, fat and sullen. When they came to the grave, they removed the earth from above the wood, then the wood, and took out the dead man clad in his garments in which he had died. I saw that he had grown black from the cold of this country. They had placed intoxicating drink, fruit, and stringed instruments in the grave with him. They removed all that. The dead man did not smell bad, and only his color had changed. They dressed him in trousers, stockings, boots, a tunic, and a caftan of brocade with gold buttons. They put a hat of brocade and fur on him. Then they carried him into the pavilion on the ship. They seated him on the mattress and propped him up with cushions. They brought intoxicating drink, fruits, and fragrant plants, which they put with him. Then bread, meat, and onions, which they placed before him. Then they brought a dog, which they cut in two and put in the ship. Then they brought his weapons and placed them by his side. 
Then they took two horses, ran them until they sweated, then cut them to pieces with the sword and put them in the ship. Next, they killed a rooster and a hen and threw them in. The girl's slave who wished to be killed went here and there and into each of their tents, and the masters of each tent had sexual intercourse with her and said, Tell your lord I have done this out of love for him. Friday afternoon, they led the slave girl to a thing they had made which resembled a door frame. They placed her feet on the palms of the men and they raised her up to overlook this frame. She spoke some words and they lowered her again. A second time they raised her up and she did again what she had done. Then they lowered her. They raised her a third time and she did as she had done the two times before. Then they brought her a hen. She cut off the head, which she threw away, and then they took the hen and put it in the ship. I asked the interpreter what she had done. He answered. The first time they raised her, she said, Behold, I see my father and mother. The second time, she said, I see all my dead relatives seated. The third time, she said, I see my master seated in paradise, and paradise is beautiful and green. With him are men and boy servants. He calls me, take me to him. Now they took her to the ship. She took off the two bracelets she was wearing and gave them both to the old woman called the Angel of Death, who was to kill her. Then she took off the two finger rings which she was wearing and gave them to the two girls who had served her and were the daughters of the woman called the Angel of Death. After that, the group of men who had cohabited with the slave girl make of their hands a sort of paved way whereby the girl placing her feet on the palms of their hands mounts unto the ship. The men came with their shields and sticks. She was given a cup of intoxicating drink. She sang at taking it and drank. The interpreter told me that she in this fashion bade farewell to all her girl companions. Then she was given another cup. She took it and sang for a long time while the old woman incited her to drink up and go into the pavilion where her master lay. I saw that she was distracted. She wanted to enter the pavilion, but put her head between it and the boat. Then the old woman seized her head and made her enter the pavilion and entered with her. Thereupon the men began to strike with sticks on their shields so that her cries could not be heard and the other slave girls would not seek to escape death with their masters. Then six men went into the pavilion and each had intercourse with the girl. Then they lay her at the side of her master. Two held her feet and two her hands. The old woman known as the Angel of Death reemerged and looped a cord around her neck and gave the crossed ends to the two men for them to pull. Then she approached her with a broad-bladed dagger, which she plunged between her ribs repeatedly, and the men strangled her with the cord until she was dead. 
then the closest relative of the dead man, after they had placed the girl whom they had killed beside her master, came, took a piece of wood, which he lighted at a fire, and walked backwards with the back of his head toward the boat and his face turned toward the people, with one hand holding the kindled stick and the other covering his anus, being completely naked for the purpose of setting fire to the wood that had been made ready beneath the ship. Then the people came with tinder and other firewood, each holding a piece of wood of which he had set fire to an end, and which he put into the pile of wood beneath the ship. Thereupon the flames engulfed the wood, then the ship, the pavilion, the man, the girl, and everything in the ship. A powerful, fearful wind began to blow so that the flames became fiercer and more intense. One of the roofs was at my side, and I heard him speak to the interpreter who was present. I asked the interpreter what he said. He answered, he said, you Arabs are fools. Why? I asked him. He said, you take the people who are most dear to you and whom you honor most and put them into the ground, where insects and worms devour them. We burn him in a moment, so that he enters paradise at once. Then he began to laugh uproariously. When I asked why he laughed, he said, His lord, for love of him, has sent the wind to bring him away in an hour. And actually an hour had not passed before the ship, the wood, the girl, and her master were nothing but cinders and ashes. Then they constructed in the place where there had been the ship which they had drawn up out of the river, something like a small round hill in the middle of which they erected a great post of birchwood, on which they wrote the name of the man and the name of the Rus king, and they departed. <laughs>